Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been doing a series on I am, the I am statements of Jesus. Jesus made seven of these statements. Last week, Chip preached a cracker of a service, service on I am the resurrection and the life. And um, Chip is a great storyteller. He told the story so well. And then every now and then, just threw a few gems in there for you to take hold and take home and um, fantastic job. But this week, we're talking about um, John chapter 15. And the statement is, I am the vine or I am the true vine because Jesus used both of those statements. But before we go there, I want to set a little bit of the context here. And the context is the Last Supper. Now, if you're newer to church, the so-called Last Supper is actually a pretty big deal in the Christian story. The Last Supper is actually the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified on a cross. And if you're not so new to church, I'm just reminding you that the Last Supper is kind of a big deal, okay? It's kind of a big deal in our story and we need to actually understand what's going on there because it was the last meal that Jesus had with his disciples and he was telling them some stuff that was really important. But the Last Supper is actually only part of the bigger story. The big story is that 2,000 years ago, a guy called Jesus walked on this earth and he only lived for 33 years. And his public ministry was only three years of that 33 years. And in three years, he actually built himself up a pretty big reputation. A big reputation. Jesus was known throughout the land of Israel, which was his home nation. He was known. People knew who he was. Everybody had an opinion about him. Some people were, you know, loved him, followed him, thought he was amazing, a prophet. Other people weren't sure. They were sitting there thinking, who is this guy? The religious leaders didn't like him at all. And in three short years, he got them angry enough to say, we want to do something about this guy. We want to kill him. He's actually threatening our religious order. He's threatening what we have protected for so many years. And they wanted to kill him. And in, with this as context... Jesus actually travels from where he was outside of Jerusalem. And the Bible said he actually set his face towards Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, there were people who wanted to kill him. And Jesus actually knew that this was what was in front of him, that somebody, that the religious leaders wanted to kill him. And he knew that this was the time for that to happen. Only been around ministering for three years. But he had a sense that his work on earth was done and it was time for him to die. And so he set his face to Jerusalem, he went to Jerusalem and he asked his disciples to make a meal for them because he had some things he wanted to say to them in that space. Because as Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, he had a purpose. He wasn't just being obedient, it was a purpose. His purpose was actually to die on the cross and be raised again, that we might have the eternal life that we sung about. That was his purpose. 
We might have a way to deal with our wrongs that we had done before God and to other people. We've got a way to deal with that. So we come to this Last Supper where Jesus is preparing his closest followers for what's about to come. For what's about to come. You see, his closest followers didn't really understand. He'd told them a few times already that he was going to die and be raised again on the third day. But his closest followers, his disciples, hadn't really got it. They still hadn't got it, even after these three years. And Jesus is about to die. He's about to leave them. And so I want to just tell the whole story of this Last Supper very, very quickly and what actually happens in this space um, as they go there, all the way up to when Jesus um, is arrested. And this is just walking our way through chapters 13 through 18. So as they gather together, Jesus gathers his closest followers together in a room to eat a meal. The first thing that happens is they walk in and Jesus washes their feet. So Jesus is the leader, but he washes the feet of the disciples. Does something very humble. He then actually tells them what's going to happen. He tells them that one of the 12 disciples, his closest followers, is going to betray them. So one of their very own who've been with them, who've seen all the amazing things that Jesus did. Because in his time, in his three years, Jesus did amazing miracles. He taught as one who had authority. Even the religious leaders had to admit that he spoke with authority, an authority that came from God. It confused them. He healed the sick. He raised three people from the dead. He did some pretty fancy stuff in three years. And the disciples had seen all this. But even Judas, who was to betray him, saw this, but went on with that. So Jesus predicted that someone, that Judas, was going to betray him. He predicted that Peter, one of his closest followers, was going to deny him three times, even though Peter had said, I will die for you. I love some of the songs, I said this last week, I love some of the songs we sing where we sing some very, very, I call them hyperbolic statements. I give, my, I give you my life, I give you my all, I live only for you. If that's true for you, good on you. Well done. I like to, it's okay to sing them. I'm not saying we shouldn't sing them, they're aspirational statements, but it's a very hard standard to live up to. Um, and I know we fail a lot. But Peter was a close follower. He, 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 he got Jesus and Jesus was in him and all over him. And he said, I'd never, you know, I would do anything for you. I, I will always be there. And Jesus said, you're going to deny me. So Jesus does that. And then Jesus says, I'm going to go away. And the disciples think, what is going on here? And they don't understand it at all. And Jesus is actually talking not only of his death and resurrection, but after that as well, that he's not going to be there with them anymore. And in that context, Jesus said something that we've heard about. Um, I am the way to the Father. I am the way and the truth and the life. And he goes on to promise that the Holy Spirit will come upon them and that they'll be comforted by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 15, we come to the passage we're going to read tonight about the vine and the branches, and we'll come to that. Moving on from that, that chapter, because it's good to get the whole story, Jesus talks about the world, how the people around them are going to hate the disciples because they're his followers. He's not painting them a very rosy picture here. A, I'm going to die and B, the world's going to hate you. 
Um, but once again, he talks about the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's going to do in their lives. So I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave you something that will help you through what you're going to see. And Jesus does that. And that he says that their grief in, ch- in chapter 16 will turn to joy. So their grief is going to turn to joy. When they see Jesus die on a cross, echoing in the back is the words of Jesus that it will turn to joy. If you read the story, it takes them a while to get to that space, but it does happen. And lastly, in chapter 17, Jesus prays for them. And he prays that he will be glorified. He prays for the disciples. He prays for them. And then he prays for all believers Jesus prays for all believers. And then he goes and gets arrested. And the story from there is he dies on a cross. And we know that piece of the story. But if there's a verse that summarises where the disciples are at, at the time we come to the passage we're talking to tonight about I am the vine, if, you know, what, just where are they at? It's John chapter 14, verse 27. And I'm going to read it actually in the reverse order that it, that, it, that it is in the verse. Because the first part, the first thing I think is in the second part of the verse, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled and not be afraid. Where the disciples are is their hearts are troubled and they're afraid of what's going to be in front of them. They, they, they don't understand and they're asking questions. So that's where they are. But Jesus' message to them is, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. So the disciples are troubled, but Jesus' message in response to where they're at already is, I'm going to give you my peace. And in that, where that is context, um, we'll move on to our story. So John chapter 15, I am the true vine. John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 to 17. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, 
I have called you friends, for everything I learned from my Father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love one another. So understanding that Jesus' message is that he's going away. But he's trying to leave his peace with the disciples whose hearts are troubled. What's his key messages from this passage that we're talking about? This part of the dialogue that I am the vine. Because verse 2, if we can get that first slide up there. Thanks, Nick. So verse 2 says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So first thing to do is to remember... Who Jesus is, that is God's son. I am the true vine. Remember who Jesus is and remember who God the Father is. I am the true vine. I'm the source of life. In saying that he's the vine, what he's actually saying is he's the centre, that Jesus is the centre of life, that he's the source of life. If you think about the vine having many branches, what he's talking about is the centrepiece The roots come from me, but you are part of the branches. You are receivers from what I provide to you. That he, Jesus, that we need to remember that Jesus is the giver of life, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the resurrection and life that we heard about last week. Or as he simply states in John chapter 8, that he is God, where he says, I am. I am. Just I am. Before Abraham was, I am. What he's saying there is, I was there right at the beginning. And if you remember the prologue we did from John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John saying, this is what Jesus was talking about. So Jesus is saying, I am God. Not only that, he's identifying the fact that he is God's Son. Because he talks about God as his Father. So he's saying, remember I am. First thing, remember who Jesus is. And remember the Father. He says, my Father is the gardener. Now a gardener cares for the plant, tends the plant, looks after the plant, helps it to be productive, gives it life. When Jesus says that God is the gardener, he's talking about us as people. But if we think of him in this way, that he's tending, tending us carefully, he loves the garden and he's looking to establish healthy and productive plants. We'll come back to that. Second thing to remember, remember that we are the branches, okay? So firstly, we've got to remember who Jesus is, who God the Father is. Secondly, remember who we are, who you are. We are the branches, And as branches, we have an identity in ourselves. We're a branch. But we have an identity as part of the vine. As part of the vine. So as a branch, we're part of a whole. We are not alone. You can't just go off and be a branch on your own. Well, you can, but very soon you'll be a dead branch. You'll be a dead branch because you won't be receiving from the source. And your identity, once you do that, Your identity is just a branch. You're not part of the vine anymore. 
So in here, it's really important to remember who we are, that we have an identity, we are a branch in God's eyes, that he loves us as individuals, but that we are part of a whole. And it's a serious reason, I think, for us to be in fellowship as we are here tonight. It's just great to see people coming to fellowship together. This is the vine. Here it is, right in this room. And I don't know about you, but there can be a straggly little vine with just a couple of branches. It doesn't actually look that healthy and it doesn't produce that fruit. But when you get a group of people together or a big vine, it produces a lot of fruit, something like this picture that you see. And it's healthy to have a, lot, a healthy flourishing plant. So this is one thing. The other thing to remember as part of this and who we are is that we are loved. Because in verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, now remain in my love. So in our down times in life, it's a wonderful thing to remember that we're not alone. We're not alone. We're part of a whole. We're part of a whole and that we are loved by God, the gardener. Third thing, third thing, the thing to, to take from this passage, Jesus says, remain in me. In verse 4 and verse 9, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. And in verse 9, remain in my love. And what's his message here is stay with me. Note later in this passage and even later um, in the Bible, he said, you know, in Matthew chapter 28, just before he goes, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age or the very end. I am with you. And so he's saying, remain in me. Now, some versions of the Bible actually translate this as abide in me, which is like abode, which is somewhere where you live, or even dwell in me, dwell in me, remain in me. What does it mean? And if you look at some of the concordances and Bible dictionaries, they also say things or use words in a similar vein of continue or dwell or endure or remain or stand or tarry. But this whole concept is, is that we are to remain in Jesus as part of the vine. Don't go off on our own, but rest there. An abode, to abide in some place, in, in a place, is to rest there. It's a place of rest. It's a place of um, feeling at home. So when Jesus says, abide in me, it's like, be at home with me. And I will be at home with you. So just to help us, I just want to do something. We're going to do more of this, but we're going to do a little bit of a rhythm later, okay? But so far, what we've got is remember, remember, remain, okay? Remember, remember, remain. Remember, remember, remain. It's coming. Don't worry, people. It's coming. Okay, fourth thing that God wants us to, the um, fourth thing that we take from this is that God actually expects us to be fruitful. As part of the vine, you don't just get a free ride. God actually expects us to be fruitful. He expects us to flourish. His plan, his plan for us is that we would flourish not just that we would sit and not just that we'd have a couple of leaves, but that we would flourish. And so God expects that if we remain in Christ, there'll be a crop, that there's a purpose to what we're doing. We're not just there for ourselves to get fed and do nothing, but we're actually there to grow fruit. So part of remembering who he is and who we are is to remember that us abiding in Christ is to produce a crop and have some fruit, to see the work of God in our own life 
and that it's visible in a way. So what is the fruit that we might see? And you could talk of a few different things. We could go to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is in Galatians chapter 5, that says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That wouldn't be bad, would it? That wouldn't be bad at all. Some of the fruit that we might see in our life. What else? We could talk about new growth, that there would be new branches. Now, something about vines is you can actually graft new branches into a vine. It doesn't all have to grow from the one shoot. So it says that you can actually take something from somewhere else and graft it into the vine and it will grow and it will grow healthy. In fact, most of the grapes that you see grown are grafted. Grafting is a big thing in the wine industry and the grape growing industry. And so growth, when it comes to what's the fruit that we should be seeing in our lives, we should be seeing, yes, new branches in our own lives, but in the lives of others, that we're helping them also to grow to maturity and to being fruitful. But perhaps most of all, when it comes to fruit, we should go to love, because it's what Jesus talks about in this passage. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. If there's a fruit that should come out of being part of the vine, it's love in all of its forms. It's love in all of its forms. Indeed, back in John chapter 13, Jesus said, A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He's loved us. Love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. How do people know you're part of the vine? We should be showing it by our love for one another. What does love look like? Well, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a good start, and many of us will be familiar with this. Love is patient. These are great words, by the way. You know, there's some poetry in the Bible. There's some stuff that stacks against any kind of literature you care. And this is one of those passages. Some people think Paul was a very harsh man, that the Apostle Paul, he said some really difficult things. And sometimes he seems really stern. But Paul wrote this. Paul said, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wouldn't you like to have a bit of that in your life? I reckon I'd like to have a bit of that in my life. You know where you get that bit of that in your life? It's from being part of the vine. You know where you get the chance to express that? Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Yes, here at church, but yes, wherever we go. Love is patient, love is kind. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. I have to say right now, there's, um, and there's some widely divergent views around various things. And I'm going to go here, people. Um, I'm going to go here around wearing masks. And I'd just like to say I feel so blessed here in this place by something that goes on here every Sunday night. 
You may or may not realise this, but there's something fantastic. I actually spoke to Nick before. Nick sits outside because he doesn't want to wear a mask. Okay? And Greg and Sylvie have done the same um, because they don't want to wear a mask. And they've done it graciously. And it's so special that these people graciously say, I want to be here. I want to be part of you. They would love to be inside here. We know that. But their respect for others, for the leadership, um, is outstanding. And I just really love them and honour them for what they do. Secondly, there are people within this congregation right here, right now, who kind of think, oh, isn't it all a bit harsh or a bit wrong? And some people might not even agree with the stand that the church has taken. But you're here and you're loving people and you're not making it a scene or a, a distraction. Because I think it's a real distraction and, a, and a, something of the devil causing division and we're not allowing that to happen. That's not happening many places, people. That is not happening many places. So, you know, thank you. I just want to say thank you for that maturity that's being shown here. It is super, super special. And thank God that we have it. You know what? One of the things when I started this job, um, one of the things I really wanted to do was to say that um, the passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And I reckon when we do this, when we operate in this gracious way with each other, it allows us to focus on Christ and him crucified and not spend a lot of time on these things that do not bear fruit. That's not a productive, fruitful distraction. So I just really want to honour those people who do this. Like It's outstanding. Um, and for all people who show a gracious attitude. It's love, people. It's love. That's what we're on about. We're on about loving each other. You know, we can hold different opinions about stuff that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Really. Let's stay. Keep our eyes on Jesus. And I just want to say thank you to all people who've just helped us in that space. I, I, I have super appreciated it, I have to say. So the last thing I want to talk about, one more expect. We can expect to be pruned. If we're in the vine, we can expect to be pruned. Verse 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So pruning is not good. I actually meant to bring some garden shears and say, does anyone want me to prune you with this? I don't think I'd have got many volunteers. Pruning hurts, typically. It's not something we look forward to. And um, if the word in the Greek here that's that it talks about, when it talks about pruning, is actually talking about cleansing. It's actually a bit like getting rid of the stuff that doesn't help Pruning is getting rid of the stuff that doesn't help you be fruitful. And in actual fact, if you do anything like um, you know, any kind of gardening and fruit trees or the like, and vines are another example, you know that you actually need to prune the tree to make it more productive or the vine to make it more productive. But it's never, um, it's rarely fun. And what does it look like? Well, I'll just give you one example, and this is something um, from me personally recently. Because recently I had a couple, I mentioned before, there's a couple of people um, 
you know, who I might have hurt along the way or feel hurt at the back end of a conversations. I had a couple of conversations that didn't go well, pastoral conversations, and it was my fault. It wasn't the fault of the other person, it was my fault. I came to those conversations with the wrong attitude. I was pretty pragmatic. I wasn't gentle. And the next day, I had to ring up and say, I'm sorry. You know, that was not my best work. Can we have that again? And I'm happy to say that both of those people, one pretty much gave forgiveness on the spot, the other one I caught up with in the following week and um, we left um, with a hug and a handshake, which I thought was pretty good, um, uh, out of that. But that hurt. I also had to be accountable, like, and part of sharing this with you is accountability, and accountability is not always comfortable, but I needed to tell the elders, this is what's happened, I just want you to know, I stuffed up, monumentally, um, there's some hurt people, and you know, whilst there's forgiveness there, sometimes there's still a little bit of a niggle, and you know, when you hurt someone, there's always a little bit of a scar, hopefully you can work your way through it, but there's always a little bit of damage there, um, and so... Um, you know, so I just, you know, that accountability, so that hurt, wasn't comfortable. But the great thing is, A, is I was forgiven by those people, by the elders, to say, because I was representing the church at that time. Um, and the other thing is that this week, out of that experience, I was able to say to a couple of other people in a couple of other situations from my learning, hey, I think we need to think about this differently. I think we need to approach this in a different way, in a more gentle way, in a more restorative way, rather than a judgmental, critical way. So that's the fruit that came out of that pruning. And so often, if we learn something through these difficulties, we see um, we have that. So... We need to remember, we need to remember, we need to remain, we need to expect, we need to expect. And this is where we um, get to the earworm for the week, okay? I love to leave you with an earworm. This earworm, I actually think you're going to need to stand up for this earworm. So I have a little chant for you today, okay? It goes something like this, John 15, clap. I, it's a bit hard for me to clap. John, so John, okay, you ready? John 15. Very good. John 15. John 15. Okay, next bit. Remember, remember, remain. Remember, remember, remain. Remember, remember, remain. Remember, remember, remain. Last bit. Expect, expect. Okay, so it's, an, it's a bit different than the last one. It's expect, expect, expect. It'd be really good actually if we had a drummer up here tonight. We could really make this sing and hum, okay? So let's try. Expect, 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 expect. Okay, now the whole thing from the start, okay? Ready? So it's John 15, clap. Remember, remember, remain, clap, expect, clap, expect. Okay, so let's give that a go, okay? We ready for this? John 15. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. John 15. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. 
John 15. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. Now with dancing, people. Okay, let's do this. Come on, we can. I think you're allowed to have fun in church. Just so you know. So, gee, you can move side to side. You can do. You can do that. You can clap above your head. Like you're, you're, you might be just clapping above your head. That might be good. Okay, I'll leave it to you. I will be giving points at the end for best exhibition. Okay, we ready? John 15. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. 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 Fantastic. You can take a seat. Charlie wins the prize. Outstanding work, Charlie. I saw that and I reckon you might have just been off the stream. Do you want to come up here and demonstrate? Come on, come on, Charlie, you can do it. Hey! On one condition, right? You have to learn it and go along with me as well. Yeah, everyone together. No, everyone together, but. Yeah, No, that's quite okay. Up we get. Just twice, okay? You don't have to copy Charlie, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you want you you want you want to do every. Ah, oh, this Simon. This is Simon says now. Okay, Simon says, copy Charlie. All right, ready? John fifteen. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. John fifteen. Remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. Outstanding. Thank you, Charlie. Beautiful. So wrapping up, Jesus said, I'm the vine, and the band, you can probably come up. I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is the I am. He's the source of life. He's the giver of life. And his father cares for the people and wants the best for them. Remember who he is, who Jesus is, and who the father is. Remember. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He asked us to remember who we are, that we are loved and that we're part of the whole. Remember, remember. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. And he said, remain in my love. Abide, dwell, tarry, continue, endure. Remember, remember, remain. Jesus expects us to be fruitful. I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, not just a day, not just a week, not just a year, but forever. Remember, remember, remain, expect, expect fruit. And we can expect pruning and we can expect fruit in our lives. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more fruitful. John 15, remember, remember, remain. Expect, expect. Let's stand and sing some songs. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.